All right, guys, how are we doing today? Uh, we're going to pick up our study in Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter number 16. And we'll, just, we'll just see how far we get. Um, uh, Matthew chapter number 16. Let's read verses 1 through 4. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came testing him and asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said unto them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given unto it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them, dropped the mic, and departed. <laughs> so, here we have, in verses 1-4, through four, it's interesting to see how well these guys are working together. And I understand the Sadducees and the Pharisees did not get along. Uh, Sadducees did not believe in a resurrection. That's why they were sad, you see. And the uh, Pharisees, man, they were strict adherence to the law. They wanted everything to be fair, you see. Um, but they, dis they disagreed on many things, but not in their disdain for Jesus. Um, there's an old expression, an enemy of my enemy is my friend. Nothing will draw two people together close, uh, quicker than a common enemy. Um, if you study history, you remember in World War II, the Russians and the Americans um, were allies. Again, because they shared a common enemy. So, in regards to the text... The religious leaders were in essence saying that they wanted to see a sign from heaven. Why would they want, why would they say a sign from heaven? Well, they apparently were not convinced that the earthly signs that Jesus had given were enough. Um, tradition held, and you got to understand Jewish tradition here, tradition held that signs done on earth could actually be of the devil because the devil is the God of this world. And the sign could very well be from him. But signs that were given from the heavens, only God was there. So they're asking a sign from heaven. And again, remember that back in chapter 10 and back in chapter number 12, what did they accuse Jesus of after he performed miracles? The devil. <laughs> you remember in Matthew 12, 24, uh, it says, Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. See, they could do that because Satan was the god of this world, and he could very well be functioning, performing these miracles at the hands of Satan himself. In Matthew 12, 27, and, and Jesus said, If I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? In other words, well, if you're accusing me of performing miracles on earth, and these may be the result of Satan, how about your sons? What did they cast them out? Because they were on earth too. Uh, therefore, they shall be your judges. You remember Jesus said that in Matthew chapter number 12. And of course, Jesus' response to this request was, you're hypocrites. 
Um, they were willing to accept the signs from the fallen world around them, the sky in this case. They wanted to see something from the sky, and yet they were blinded to the fact that he was indeed their long-awaited Messiah, as foretold in their very scriptures. You see, all the Old Testament pointed to this moment. All the Old Testament points to Jesus. All the Old Testament points to the redemption and the restoration of the nation of Israel by this long-awaited Messiah that would come. And here he is standing in front of them, and they can't see it. They can't see it. Uh, notice, he says, only a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given unto it. Now, now to blanketly say that God abhors all signs is wrong, because the Bible says that he will that that signs will precede uh, the the establishment of the kingdom. That's Joel chapter two and verse number twenty eight. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I mean. There were signs, but what he's accusing these guys of is unbelief. They don't believe. No amount of signs, whether it be in earth or in heaven, were enough to convince these guys because they simply did not believe. Uh, so he says, you're a wicked and you're an adulterous generation. That's why you're still seeking after a sign. And I believe that he called them out for this for two reasons. First, they should have known who he was. The Bible predicted Daniel chapter 9, for example, that the Messiah would come, that he would be cut off for his people. I mean, how did the Magi know where to go? How did Simeon know to be there um, when he said, I've seen the consolation of Israel? You know, I mean, and yet these people could not see that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies. So they should have known. Number two, because they did not know the scriptures. They would rather place their faith in signs instead of the word of God itself. And people are that way today. They want to place their faith. You know, I'm not going to believe you're a child of God until you do this. Well, numero uno, it's not my responsibility to have to prove who I am. By my fruits, you will know me. The fruits of the Spirit will be why uh, will be proof that I am truly a child of God or not. Okay, it's not necessarily signs that I'm a child of God. By their fruits, the Word says you will know them. Again, there's nothing wrong with signs, but He had already given them enough signs. Now they were walking in unbelief. That's why they were still seeking after a sign. And he knew that no matter how many signs he did, they were not going to accept him. Remember that the two generations in Jewish history that received the most signs were the children of the Exodus. In all the signs, as Moses led the people out with a high hand, the parting of the Red Sea, you know, the many miracles that he did. And then here at the first advent, I mean, just miracle after miracle after miracle at the Exodus, miracle after miracle that Jesus has performed here at his first advent. advent. And the common denominator is that they still rejected him. They were still rejected him from being their God. 
The bottom line is that signs do not bring people to faith. They don't. And it is not because of that the signs are insufficient. Instead, it is because the darkness of man's heart is even more insufficient. So these people did not believe, and no amount of signs was going to change that. And the Lord says, you're a wicked and adulterous generation, and that's the only reason you're asking me uh, for this. Now, in chapter, in verse number five, <clears throat> we'll cover another section here. Now, when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. These guys really um, didn't carry a lot of bread around with them, did they? <laughs> We've already seen the feeding of the five and the feeding of the 4,000. Um, and Jesus said to them, take heed and beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You see, these two guys are already working together. They're working together against me, and they're working together against you. You need to beware of their leaven, okay? And he says, and they reasoned among themselves, um, is it because we've taken no bread again? <laughs> but Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, oh, you have little faith. Why do you reason among yourselves because you brought no bread? Do you not understand yet or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 or how many baskets you took up that were left over, nor the seven loaves of the 4,000, how many large baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I do not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? What our Lord here is doing is warning the disciples of the false teachings of the religious leaders. Leaven in the Bible is a type of sin. It's not used in a good way. So when he says you need to beware of the leaven of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, he's referring to the false teaching of the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the false doctrine. Um, it's amazing that the disciples were still thinking of physical bread um, when the Lord mentioned leaven. They surely knew that Jesus didn't need bread to feed people by now. I mean, look what he did, you know, with the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. He had just proven that to them. On another note, I think that we're too quick to judge the disciples and their short-sightedness and that we can be the exact same way from time to time, many times. I believe that God's hand can be seen all around us and we too don't see it routinely enough. Uh, why? Because we're too focused on ourselves and the world around us to see God's hand at work. And when we take our eyes off of God, we become short-sighted. And we no longer see God in everything. You know, it's just like a new believer when they come to faith. You know, they see God everywhere. Oh, man, he gave me green lights on the way to work today. But as you begin walking with the Lord for a while, you become callous to that. And, and you start taking for granted the grace of God. You, you start not seeing his hand in everything that's happening around you. There's no such thing as coincidence in, in our lives. It's all Christ instances. It's Christ moving. He's sovereign. 
Uh, he's, he's moving people and things around in our lives for a purpose and for a reason. Nothing happens outside of his divine sovereignty and will. And when we take our eyes off of the Lord, we start looking at ourselves, we start looking at the world around us, and we don't see God anymore. That's dangerous. We get short-sighted. We do exactly what we're accusing these poor disciples of doing. We're not seeing God. We're not watching his hand. And we're going to miss out on the blessings that God has for us. So next time we get together, we'll get down into Peter's confession. Um, you know, and I've really been studying this a lot lately. You never get too old. Never think you've got all the answers. Oh, no, we grow from faith to faith. You know, if you would have asked me a lot of questions 10 years ago, I would have knew the answer. But you know what? Now I'm going to look at you sometimes and say, I, I, I just don't know the answer. I think that's wisdom. We don't know quite as much as we would like to think that we do. But we're going to get down into Peter's confession. Um, and what does it mean? You know, we've got, you know, some people say this and some people say that. We're going to talk about that next time. Matthew chapter 16, verse number 13 and, and following. Read Peter confessing, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What does that mean? What was Peter saying and what did the Lord mean when he responded to Peter upon that rock I'll build my church? We'll talk about that next time. God bless you guys. Remember, God loves you and wants the best for you. Working all things out for your good.